0: Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's podcast, we had a father-son team, Bill and Keith Dobman from My Shower Door. They are a, uh, a glass manufacturer. Well, I guess they have multiple businesses manufacture glass and make custom shower doors. And uh, they're based out of Southwest Florida. Honestly, today was one of my, my favorite episodes that we've done so far, the podcast. Uh, we got into a lot of great topics, everything from personal to business, finance to marketing. I had a very uh, interesting and inspiring story growing their business basically from the ground up to over seven or eight locations now and 100 employees. So hopefully you guys enjoy. All right. So welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. Today, I have two guests with me from my shower door. As uh, a local company um, based out of is based out of Estero or B- Bonita actually right now we're based out of Fort Myers Fort myers we, we started in North Naples, so okay uh, and you have actually multiple locations which we'll we'll jump into here in a second. but yes. so we have Bill and Keith. so before we we get into the podcast, I uh, love to just have probably directly from you, Bill, kind of give us an overview of my shower door, what it is that makes you guys unique and you know what we've been doing over the past How many years in in business here? Well, we started in Naples in
1: 2003 with just the original three family members. And as of yesterday, we were hitting 110 employees. But we've now grown from our first store in North Naples. We now have seven retail showrooms, frameless shower door showrooms throughout Florida, going from two in Naples, one in Fort Myers, Sarasota, St. Pete, Tampa and Orlando. On top of that, what makes us unique is we're a family business. There's a really great family dynamic that we have. And we started our own manufacturing plant. So we manufacture and install all of our own products. On top of that, although people know us about my shower door, I'll let let Keith tell you about my architectural glass, which is another division that we started about a year and a half ago.
2: Sure. Bill mentioned that we started our business in 2003, but just to give you a little history where we came and how we were able to get, grow to the point we've grown to and overcome the recessions and ups and downs of typical economies. My younger brother and myself were raised by our parents, a very blue collar town in Western Massachusetts. And I had the blessing of contracting Hodgkin's Non-Lymphoma Cancer, which prompted my parents to basically have to leverage everything and start a business so I could get the care that I needed to survive. Wow. So my father was a professional hockey referee. My mother was a neighborhood beautician, cutting <laughs> people's hair. Very, very blue-collar town. And really, just of late that I've been able to appreciate have been given cancer. I don't know that you'd hear that very often, yeah. but cancer was the best thing that happened to our business and our family, our family consequently turning into a business. Luckily, it was a treatable disease after leveraging their house and going out and cold calling and going after their said customer base. They're able to have enough revenue to put me in the Boston Children's Hospital and eventually grow up in an entrepreneurial family, which was really cool. Some of the dark parts of that were going through the treatments and losing my hair at the age of 12 and 13. As you know, boy, you start uh, developing different feelings and chasing certain things. yeah, And I was very late to that party being made fun of and all the typical stuff that kids would do. It, it was a dark time. I'd I was, I'd had zero confidence whatsoever. Yeah, um, I, I was very self-conscious. But then growing up in this business environment, there was a lot of parallels, meaning you have to be able to hear no and not get offensive and you can't be too proud. And I think that really primed, going through that whole experience, primed Myself and our family of how close knit we are to be able to um, not only take this idea of the heavy glass frameless shower door business and turn it into, you know, we call it the glass empire up at our new factory because yeah. not only have we grown our brick and mortar presence, but we've also gone vertical with manufacturing and now we branched off into architectural um, capabilities, anything that has to do with glass. Yeah, we say we like to turn sand into money yeah. because that's where glass starts from.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean that's an amazing perspective to look at it that way. Like you said, as cancer as a, a blessing or something that's you know can be that terrible turn it into, you know, something that you've leveraged as a way to actually, like you said, grow the business. And I, you hear so many stories like that, which is you know interesting. Most successful people were put in a position where essentially your back's up against the wall and you got to fight your way out of it. And at that point, you really have nothing else to lose. There's no safety net. There's no plan B. And sometimes that's what it takes. And like you said, there are a lot of parallels from a business perspective, especially being in sales, right? Like you said, you got to be able to I Somebody slammed skin. the door in your face a uh, hundred times just to get that one that, that turns out and, and works out for you. So it's amazing that that you guys were able to do that and uh, obviously that that you're okay and you were able to recover from that. I'm curious of, of how that came about. It sounds like so this wasn't a an existing business. This was something that you developed out of this necessity. So why glass shower doors? How did how did that come about?
1: Actually it's pretty funny because when when
0: Keith did get sick, I you know I was
1: traveling most of New England uh, officiating games and and Donna was home with Keith's younger brother, Doug, Mm -hmm. and it was difficult. So we had to try and figure out a business that we could operate out of the house. We Mm -hmm. had no money for startup. Actually, we didn't have enough insurance to cover Keith, so everything was out of pocket. Yeah. We started a closet shelving business first. And we grew that from nothing. Now, everyone knows the closet brand that I started with was called Made, okay. And it's that white wire yeah. shelving. But back in 1986, no one knew about it. It was brand new material. And I had seen it in a magazine advertised nationally. And I thought that would be a good thing that we could do out of our home. Everybody mm-hmm. needed their closets organized, especially right. in New England. So uh, I got into that and I remember bringing a magazine home and showing my wife and I said, I think this is something we can do. And she looked it and she's, she said, you're crazy. Uh-huh. Said, That's refrigerator racking. Who the heck is gonna mm-hmm. put that in your closet? Well, son of a gun, we were the largest distributor of closet made in Western Massachusetts. Now keep in mind, this was before th- Home Depot was even known about. Yeah. So we were uh, installing closet shelving with builders, developers, condo owners, and we grew it to the uh, the largest closet made dealer in all of Massachusetts and Connecticut. But then the economy turned bad mm-hmm. and this was somewhere in the 90s and we had to look for something to augment our business. And a few of the builders that we were doing a lot of work for asked us to do shower doors. And mm-hmm. I did not know the first thing about shower doors. Yeah. But fortunately, a friend of mine who was also in the closet business had started a shower door business in in Connecticut and we connected and we bought into his business plan. I bought a a license. Uh So we started off with him in 1988 and grew it. And we opened up a second location in the Hartford, Connecticut area. So we were in the greater Springfield area in Massachusetts and Hartford, Connecticut, and continued to grow it Hmm. only because builders came to us because they couldn't find anybody to do their shower doors. They they couldn't get a glass guy to do it. They couldn't get the tile guys, the plumbers, nobody wanted to touch it. Hmm. So I learned from somebody else that was also in the closet business. So for a long time, we did both closet shelving and
0: shower doors. And then you took that and, and started then my shower door from there well when we sold the business up north we decided to move to florida yeah as any, anyone who
1: sells a business does best <laughs> move ever <laughs> especially this area of yeah, florida yeah. i had no idea it was this nice town here. yeah yeah and the idea was that keith and doug were going to stay back up north and run that business there until they came down to visit us and they said are you kidding me we have a yeah. beach yeah. And golf all year round. And we're yeah. going to stay up and deal with snow. However,
2: however, they built to so that was 99. It started in 88. So for quite some time, they had a successful business going something that Doug and I would have the opportunity to take over. So they've already built a 10 year business. It's established mm-hmm. it has cash flow employees, the mm-hmm. whole process in place. So for, we came down on a weekend trip, never even leaving Massachusetts and seeing Naples and South Florida, we mm-hmm. were in awe. Yeah, We'd only seen what we saw here on, in movie, you know, yeah, the amount of Bentleys I saw in a two day span <laughs> far surpassed yeah. anything I had seen before. So that was our first risk. It was really our first big risk decision that we had to make and we didn't even realize it. It was either stay and nurture this business and continue to grow yeah. it or let them cash out retire right. and we're going to go ahead and gamble based on what we grew up in, yeah. you know, which was an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneurial yeah. family. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it's kind of sounds like an easy decision, but like you said, <laughs> yeah. it's a profitable business that you're just you know kind of walking away from.
2: Everything's perspective. Yeah. It was yeah. easy decision for them because they have, they started the business, yeah. they saved up, yeah. they did all the right things. Yeah. And now here it's our turn at yeah. 25, 26 years old. We yeah. don't you know. You
0: said let's uh, retire to Florida. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a nice that wasn't yeah. an option but <laughs> i liked
1: it the yeah. word retirement was there for six weeks yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it really was yeah. it was six weeks yeah when yeah. we did sell the business up north and move down here keith stayed back for the transition period for the new owners yeah and the deal was a six-month deal and i think the owner was happy with him after four months like he felt pretty comfortable that he could run a business and keith didn't need to stay there and we were Doug and I had already started selling shower doors down here. Hmm. And we said, Keith, how soon can you get down here? Yeah. So he finally came down with his wife, Amy, and uh rest is history. Like, again, we started with the three, and my wife, Donna, is in the business as well. And we just kept growing. So back in 2003, we started with the original, I say the original three, because Keith was still up north. But as soon as he came down a couple of months in, started us with the four. Hmm. Like I said, we're up over
0: 110 now. It's incredible. So it sounds like a, you know, a natural progression go from just the shower doors and then you have this manufacturing facility where you can make all of this different type of unique glass and then you can apply it in other ways throughout mm-hmm. the, the house or I don't know if you even do commercial, residential, all types of glass. So from on the architectural side, what type of projects are you working on? What type of you know glass is a specialty there?
2: Great question. So in the architectural niche of the business we specialize in interior glass offices interior not anything that has to do with the envelope of the building Mm -hmm. that would be all structural Mm -hmm. glass so anything interior office partitions wine cellars interior and exterior glass railings predominantly glass canopies all architectural facade type of partitions and anything flat glass curved glass laminated glass and then that just complements the shower door Mm -hmm. aspect as well because a lot of the same builders will do residential or they'll do a commercial hotel that has Mm -hmm. several hundred shower doors and they might have other aspects of the hotel where they have a podcast room or a conference room and that's it's just been a a great partner
0: yeah so has that business really just evolved from those relationships with the builders or with the architects or 100 percent that
2: uh, matter of fact they it was our customers idea yeah I know the builder in particular, We he, after about 10 years of doing a shower door, he said, listen, I have this very big railing job. We love the way that your team comes in, takes over the situation, gets it installed, and gets out. Mm-hmm. And we want you to do that, you know. Glass guys are glass guys. You should be able to do the railings. And
0: you're so like, eh, maybe. <laughs> <kind yeah. of laughs>
2: and and I had been caught biting off more than I could chew before. So I knew this isn't... Once you got into the architectural, the jobs were much larger. So if you're going to get greedy and you drop the ball, everybody in town is going to know it and you're probably not going to get the ball again. Yeah. And when we produced that proposal for that first railing job, he says, I can't go to the board of this condo project with the letterhead saying my shower door. And... Again, because I was real proud. Why? Oh, who cares? It's the same guys. Yeah. But I didn't understand his perspective, and that bred the my architectural division. So just by starting another LLC yeah. under the same corporation, we so all
0: service the architectural. That particular builder really kind of helped you out launch that, then, and even give oh, yeah. you some feedback on how to win the win the bid.
2: You know, a lot of times you don't know what's available until you ask. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Now that I've learned a lot of these um, things accidentally. That now I will intentionally uh, ask when it's appropriate with tact yeah. to see if we can expand. And I've gotten to see so many reps in this business now, repetitions mm-hmm. and ups, that you just know when there's opportunities available. Yeah. And it's up to you to try and be able to allow the customer to relax their mind enough to be able to want to collaborate with you and give you mm-hmm. an opportunity. hmm
0: Yeah. And and obviously we're, we want to make sure that we talk about, you know, marketing and and sales on this uh, podcast here. Although I I love kind of hear the origin story to make sure that we have some context behind it. I'd be curious and we were kind of chatting, you know, before we started the podcast um, about the, how the dynamic has changed over the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years of the digital landscape evolving. Obviously, you guys create a, a quality product, which is why you have a lot of repeat customers, which is why you're able to grow multi-locations, word of mouth. You wouldn't be able to do that without a high quality product. And that's how a lot of businesses, businesses we work with as well, have historically grown is through word of mouth by just providing great customer service, a great quality product. But we have seen a change in the way that at least... An untapped market is kind of being tapped into through different digital initiatives and different, I guess you know, all kinds of channels. I mean, I'm sure even in the sales process, you have emails, text messages, you know, Facebook messages, all these kind of things going on that you have to make sure that you you know keep your your finger on the pulse and make sure you're communicating with your your clients. So, I'd love to hear just kind of the two different perspectives here on uh, generations of how we're communicating with our customers and, and how we've seen that change of, you know, way people are finding out about us and becoming customers. Well, I tell ya,
1: marketing has changed a lot cause I started this business back in Massachusetts and I was, did everything really. Yeah. And it was old school newspaper ads, yeah. you know, flyers, things of that nature, things that you would think about that maybe now that they would do for a bake sale. Yeah, But yeah. but it really has come full circle. And Keith and I were talking about that the other day. And we have a sales meeting tomorrow morning with all mm-hmm. our sales associates. And we were talking about a term that everyone hears about. It's called cold calls. Mm-hmm. But now with the internet and Google and how you can look things up, you can learn more about your customer before you even meet them face to face to face. So yeah. there never should be a cold call ever again. Yeah. Now in our day, we would try and learn whatever we could about the customer before we met them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had a mutual friend, maybe they owned a business, you could find out about it. But it, would, it took a lot more research. Yeah. To try and find new construction, I would have to drive to the town halls and take a look at building permits. Yeah. Now you well, can sit at your desk a laptop, and you can do it while you're watching TV at night. Yeah. So that we can get messages to clients I couldn't touch before. Yeah. Whether it's, uh, we're a friend on Facebook we send them a Facebook message. Hey, saw your profile, saw your thing. You do some awesome work. I think we should meet up together. So that type of marketing is so much better than in the past and it's quicker and it's easier, but there's still something about getting a handwritten note in the mail. Yeah. Like that is so old school, yeah. but it is so powerful. Yeah it really is. Yeah. And I don't know if it'll ever ever change that.
0: Well, I think the the advancements in technology will definitely highlight stuff like that because you're yeah. going to be the only one that's doing that like you said if you're sending out a, a handwritten note whether that's as a prospect or as a an actual customer just say hey thanks for doing business with us. I mean that that is definitely separates yourself. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the idea of Like you said going and going to the town hall and seeing who's pulling building permits to get customers i think would be a foreign concept to someone who's starting a business today it's like well how do i get my phone to ring it's like you know there's a lot of hard work that all these other people had to do in order to get into a position that you're in today so i think it's unique and obviously if you can combine those two efforts and personalize it but extend that reach and expand that reach through digital means it could be huge The second part of the digital now is what Keith is doing with
1: Mm -hmm. his LinkedIn. We started LinkedIn basically at the same time, and Mm -hmm. he's taken it to a much higher level than anyone else in our company. And he's trying to get the rest of the sales associates on board because it's just going to multiply out. Mm -hmm. You know, as well as anybody, the Internet Mm -hmm. is almost endless. Yeah. And you could be reaching customers overseas in a Mm -hmm. heartbeat. Yeah. And there are many countries that have a need for our things. I mean, Puerto Rico got hit by Hurricane Maria and they're just starting to rebuild and there's no glass plants over there. They got wiped out. Wow! So it's gotta come from probably from Florida or some other foreign country. Hmm. So there's a a lot of ways of getting our product around.
0: Yeah. And so uh, we heard about this, um, I guess Bill and I had met previously. So just so everyone kind of understands the context and uh, Bill and Joe and everyone we talked to, talked about Keith and his LinkedIn. So I'm curious to learn what are you doing on LinkedIn and how has that impacted the business?
2: Yeah. I like the preference up until two years ago, I hadn't done any platforms, whether I, you know, I jump on my wife's Facebook and go through my high school reunion real Mm. quick and kind of creep on people. I Mm. didn't have Instagram. I was heavily committed to the business. I have a very addictive personality, and when I was approached, probably by the fourth or fifth time from people at the office, Mom, um, our social media Joe, they said, "Listen, you got to pick a platform. Just do one mm-hmm. and get on it." So I had—I think maybe Joe had showed me a video from Gary V. He says, "You know, you got a, a personality kind of like him. He swears, and you mm-hmm. can just watch one of his videos." Mm-hmm and i can't remember exactly what video but it was captivating and that night i committed myself commitment's the biggest thing Uh whether it's the social media whether it's your business whether it's your relationship if you can't honestly tell yourself i'm willing to be committed to doing this don't bother because you're not going to do it to the highest level that you need to do for it to expand the way you want it to expand. Mm -hmm. So I picked LinkedIn and I committed myself to getting a thousand to 1500 connections per month. Mm. And I was going to do whatever it took to do that. And again, I know nothing about the platform other than I want to get as many people as possible. And I'm going to start shooting a daily video every day, Yeah, whatever it is, I'm going to try and tie whatever topic it is into a piece of content. And at about the five six thousand range of people, I started getting opportunities that were. I was like, "Where's this coming from?" Yeah, and it was just by throwing enough shit against the wall. to be yeah. honest with you, that it was starting to turn into gold. I was getting asked if I wanted to speak at this glass conference, and I have never spoke at a glass conference. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about glass. I've made a comfortable living off of glass, but yeah. I've never spoke about glass or our secret. You know how we yeah. interact with customers and our process. And that was just the beginning of it. Once I hit about 10,000, a whole other set of doors opened up. And you know, what I realized that it did it was it was giving more credibility um, to a lot of our customers. For instance, if they, well, why do you do so much on social media? Well, I'm putting myself out there to educate, number mm-hmm. one. But if we don't do a good job and we're not authentic about what we do, you can get crushed because the first thing they're going to do is going to bash you. You're going to get a one-star yeah. review. Yeah. So I, unless you're committed to what, doing what you plan on doing, I wouldn't engage in the level that we're trying to do just because you'll expose the shortfalls of your business if you're not committed very quickly. Yeah.
0: So where did you come up with that number? You, you know, you just, the first day you're like, let's try to get a thousand people.
2: I started asking everybody around me that was on their Instagram and their Facebook and social media. I was trying to get a temperature of like, what's a lot of followers? Yeah. You know, we're you know, not like, the I Kardashians. Want we're not millions. Lot, I want more. Yeah. I want to double it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Grant Cardone Theory, I want a 10X it. Yeah. I want to blow their mind. And, mm-hmm. and if I fall short of that, at least it will be triple what they have. Mm-hmm. And- um, and it's worked on so many levels. I, we could talk about it all day. Mm-hmm. But the credibility aspect, because I'm still heavily involved in day-to-day sales, when I walk up to a job site, the shower is probably one of the cheapest things mm-hmm. on the job. Mm-hmm. And yet, I get the most amount of attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, we've been doing this business for 17 years. I've never gotten that before. It's the social media. Yeah, It's powerful. Yeah, It's extremely powerful.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's there's a, that was kind of going through my mind when you were explaining that we work in a lot of different businesses, different industries, and a lot of them are in kind of, you know, what I would call unsexy industries, right? Manufacturing, sort of industrial logistics, finance, anything along those lines. And the idea, like you said, of, hey, I'm going to create value and get people to follow me on LinkedIn and I'm going to show up to a job site and people are going to know who I am is that's so far out of their mind. Like people aren't going to care about that. People aren't going to sit down on LinkedIn and watch my video about, you know, how this glass is made. So what advice would you give to somebody that's in an industry like that and they're struggling to create content or to conceptualize how can I provide value to an audience that doesn't care about my product?
2: There's two points out of what you just said, which are really good. I get asked a lot. Well, I wish I was selling shouters and I could do the content like I'm not selling shower doors on yeah. the content. I'm yeah. selling myself and our customer service and what else we bring. And by the way, if you want to do business with us, we can provide you a heavy glass frame with shower yeah. enclosure. So I don't think it matters what industry you're in. You know, when most people come into the showroom, they're not coming there to kill time. Yeah. They're there because they need a shower door. Now it's our job to make them feel comfortable and trust us, so we can hopefully do business together. Yeah. Because they go, well, I'm just shopping. Nobody comes into a heavy glass frame of shower door just to shop. Mm-hmm. It's a destination. You go there. It just it's human nature to be negative and have your guard up. So the social media has allowed us to, you know fast forward that process so they got to know me before they even come in like maybe they don't want to do business with me because they don't like my demeanor or my mm-hmm. shtick. i mean it's not a shtick, but yeah, yeah. The way I talk. and so i would advise everybody even at my shower door which i've been a huge proponent for a year to get everybody get on there because it's only going to help you yeah. and it's not just with your current job you know Some people might think, well, my boss just wants me to get on there because he's greedy and he just wants more money. But in a platform where everybody can, if you're in commission sales, you're selling yourself. So as you build this, you could take that wherever you go.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point because that's another piece of feedback. It's like, okay, well, easy for you to say, you know, you own the business, right? Where it's like, I'm just an employee here and I don't want to post on my Facebook or my LinkedIn or Instagram or anything like that. It's something I hear all the time. But I think, as you mentioned, as a professional, as a salesperson, whatever role you're in, All you have is your own reputation and your own brand. And so, yeah, don't do anything that you're not comfortable with. But as you mentioned, sell yourself, sell your knowledge, provide value, more value, provide about things that you're interested in as you grow in your career. Even if it's not within that same company, you're going to grow with a following. And by the way, your next job, I think you're going to be a lot more valuable coming into the job with a a big following. So I think that's a, a great point, especially, you know, coming from you basically telling your employees, hey, this is gonna benefit you, not just benefit us as an
3: 100%. Hey, thanks for listening, Solomon. here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes, Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, Head over to OneIMS.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at One IMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed, all right? So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day.
1: The second part of that to play off of that, that benefits the customer too. Oh yeah, it, and, it really and what does, kind of has, added yeah. value are you yeah. giving to that customer and now you're promoting them as well. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. That, that's powerful. Yeah. yeah, I think it has to benefit the customer or it won't work, right? If you would have gone out in the, the you said I'm going to, you know, go connect with 1000 1500 people a month and I'm going to make videos I'm going to make content and if you didn't say the last piece of that which is I'm going to create educational content that's valuable to so like you said, it's not even accelerate the sales process because I think you made a good point of like you're not really selling, we're not really selling anymore. You're facilitating their decision-making process and you're providing them enough information that they can make that decision. And then you're, of course, going to provide the service. But, you know, back in the day when you were going and pulling permits and then calling those people, you were you had to sell them. You you had all the information. You had to tell them why you were going to interrupt them and how you're going to provide value to them all in a very short amount of time and then get them to, you know, break out their checkbook. And I think that has flipped so much where the customer now has either all of the information or at least access to the information, right? They have a computer, they can go online, they can find this information. So why not be the place where they go to find the information and then you control the story, you provide the best, you know, positive experience where they're already getting like you said they're already making a decision they're going to not have a a shower door right maybe i guess they'll put a curtain up for a little bit but (laughs) uh, they've already made that decision they've already designed the bathroom they know they're going to get it so they're going to go online they're going to start searching they're going to look online they're going to google they're going to go to pinterest look at all these different ideas of you know how they want that to look and if you can control that entire experience and you be, be the one giving them the information you're going to be uniquely positioned to of course earn their business when it comes time we'd like to say that they're not shopping anymore yeah. after that they've already learned
1: they're using those platforms for validation yeah you know they've seen keith everywhere yep. everywhere they've seen the company the company name now when they see it on different social media platforms that's validation yeah oh these guys are there i they would do have question as a
2: customer i would question why aren't you on social media? How committed are you you to providing (laughs) me a good business if you're not on there?
0: Are you hiding something?
2: Do you not want to be known?
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And the validation piece, I mean, we've seen that a lot with, I mean, everyone wants reviews. There's every platform has reviews. There's review aggregators that pull your reviews together, there's review solicitation. And the reason is, is because people, first of all, people don't want to be the first one Mm -hmm. to do something, right? And they also don't want to be feel like they're they're being duped they're being you know tricked and they don't want to make a mistake and then you know everybody hears about it right for whatever reason they they care more about that and so they want to see what their friends have suggested they want to see what their peers are, have suggested and what other people have bought what kind of experiences they've had so even if they I mean, it's probably happened and maybe you haven't even noticed it, but someone's probably been in your showroom and then looked up a, a review on Google really quick before they actually, you know, ran their credit card because they just want to make sure, like, of hey, course. what happens after it gave me a good experience now, but let me see how they've done on the actual installation or delivery or, you know, follow-up warranties, anything along those lines. And so they check the reviews. And I think that you're gonna see at the beginning to get the customer, that's how you get the exposure. Then the salespeople and you know still come into play in that that human to human sort of interaction. And then they're gonna go back to the internet back to social media for that final validation before they make a purchase. You know, it's funny as we grew the business up, and we were dealing with a lot of builders when we
1: first moved down mm-hmm. here. But that really wasn't our scope. I see a lot of builders. That's probably inaccurate. The, probably only 10% of our business at first was builders, most of it was homeowners. Okay. And a lot of the people that I met, the chamber and different functions, they'll say, well, how come you're not going after the big pulties and the yeah. Linares of the world are doing this track housing? And I said, I want to tell you a little story that I found out. If we went after builders, when you're on a builder team, they don't like to tell other builders who their subs are. Right. They want to keep them for themselves, especially if they're a good sub. Yeah. But if you focus on homeowners, yeah. they can't wait to tell their neighbors who did the work. Yeah.
2: It's like having a good babysitter. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of the same way. So these guys go out to eat and if you treat them right. Yeah soon as they go out to eat with their neighbors they're gonna say you wouldn't believe this my shower door company what they did They took their shoes off they did this they left my bathroom neater than when they came in and the door looks great and they bring them over their house and show off the door so we built our business model on going directly to the consumer Uh now that's not to say we don't value our builders we do very much and a lot of the builders we are now doing, yeah. it's because we have done something for that homeowner previously. Then they decided to sell that home, build a new home, and they told the builder, this is who we want
0: to do their shower doors. That's interesting because you you would see that and a lot of people would make that decision of, okay, well, I would rather just be essentially B2B, like true B2B, right? Because I sell to one builder, I build one relationship and then they build a hundred houses a year or a thousand houses a year or whatever. And so I don't have to to worry about it. And so you guys took the, and of course you're, you're treating your builders, right? Like you said, you still oh, sure. market to them. You still do business with them, but you really wanted to draw the man demand in from the, the consumer. So what was sort of the, you know, how did we come to this idea when the other route seems to be the most common path and the easier path?
1: It, well, it's the easiest path for sure, yeah. right? Because it costs you more to go direct to the consumer. Yeah. It's all about the marketing, yeah. right? But by the same token, it was very, very important to have that homeowner because, again, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But also, you build those relationships yeah. and you get a good quality product. They're the ones that are going to tell the builder to go ahead. So we went in that direction. But the biggest time that really showed the value was in the downturn of the economy when home building stopped. Mm-hmm. It, it was exposure.
2: Up. Yeah. Dealing with the homeowner and not... I think it's human nature for sales per to say, okay, I'm in sales now, I'm going to sell shower Who can I go sell that has the largest amount of sales possible? Okay, it's the poll it's still in our, but that's where all the exposure was because they have so much mm-hmm. that they have all the leverage and they're going to tell you what their terms are and we're only going to pay so much, but it's so enticing because it's a big number. But when yeah. you really drill down on it, it's not as profitable is if you were to deal directly with the homeowner you get the money quicker it's paid quicker you're going to get the referrals but you're not exposed like what dad had in 1987 during the big market crash he started door door knocking for builders to do their work and then when the market crashed nobody's building a house yeah now he's caught his pants around so now we fast forward 2003 we start the company going after homeowners we want builder work, but that we are not putting all our eggs in the builder basket. Mm. But all of our competition was. Yeah. So cancer is the best thing that happened to us. The recession was it's the skin. second best thing that happened to us. Yeah. And so much so that it wiped out most of our competition because they wanted the Lenar, the yeah. Pulte. And people's houses went upside down to 300,000. Well, they're not building houses. Yeah. Um, they're going to stay in that house until the value comes back, when the market comes back. So, we're going to be here for another five years let's put in a beautiful heavy glass frameless shower enclosure <laughs> and you don't have to refinance the yeah, house yeah. and so that's the main reason behind yeah. it: the exposure
0: yeah it's interesting i mean we like i mentioned earlier we work with a lot of companies that are on the b2b side and a couple in particular came to us because of that exact frustration is like yes we have all these relationships but we can't sell directly to the consumer however we're always You know, we can't control the sales process, right? So the the consumer will go to the, you know, the distribution partner, and then they will actually just sell them whatever is cheapest, however they can package it together and, and make it work. And there's no brand awareness, there's no brand loyalty. And like you said, something like that happens, economy goes on a downturn. And then what you have no direct access to this consumer, you have no brand awareness. And so if the builders aren't building houses, then you're kind of out of luck there. So like you said, if it was, you know, foresight or it just kind of happened, it was a great thing that happened because now, you know, a new renovation, a new build, anything that happens related to, bathroom, shower doors, or even glass. I guess you've built those relationships and built that reputation. So I think that uh, a lot of businesses can learn from that idea and change their thinking a, a little bit from, you know, we're B2B or we're B2C. So we don't market to that. You know, you really need to market to anybody who's Influencing that decision-making process, right? Anybody who's involved. I mean, you could work with the architect and the home buyer is still the one that writes you the check, but you can still market to architects or vice versa. So, of course, I think just building that awareness, building that following, and again be- becoming that educational resource center has sounds like what allowed you to have that freedom, and and then like you said, of course, have some power in terms of the negotiation as well. So I'd be curious to learn a little bit more from a digital side. So we're, we're doing the LinkedIn, right? And so we're building a following there. But what about just, you know, capturing demand, right? I'm sure every day there's people going to Google and they're searching for a shower door, a certain type of design, layout, anything along those lines. What have we done to actually capture that demand? And how is that affected when we have multiple locations? I'm going to start and then I'm going to punt.
2: I am a very self-centered Not selfish, but I started the LinkedIn to help grow my sales because I'm still in sales. Consequently, I'm doing stuff for the company under the umbrella of my shower door. I'd encourage all the employees to do the same because there's so many, you know, you like salt, you like pepper, you like food. Not everybody's going to want to do business with me. Bill, Donna, Joe, Doug, our team up at headquarters is handling all the my shower door Again, I was just branding myself. I'm, not, yeah. I'm branding Keith under the moniker of My Shower mm-hmm. Door and the services that I can provide through the tools that are provided through me through My Shower Door and the branding of our brand. So, Bill, maybe you want to tell Taylor how we capture our opportunities. Well, our
1: opportunities, obviously, shower doors bring a really nice visual. Yeah. You know, um, in years past, we knew that radio wasn't the right medium for us in the past. It's yeah. more visual. TV worked really well. But now with social media... My God, the the Pinterest, the Instagrams of the world, are really conducive for frameless shower doors. So we got into the hashtags and Mm -hmm. we're looking at that. Just to show you the power of this though, and I wanna go back just a few minutes in the past, and we'll get back to this. We went to the National Glass Show this year. Mm -hmm. It was in Atlanta. Keith joined us. And as we were walking down the aisles, I'm gonna tell you almost 80% of the exhibitors said, hey, there's that kid. Here's the kid from LinkedIn. He's the Gary Vee of showers. He was. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Now, we've been to those shows each and every year. And
2: nothing was- has changed through our daily business routines other than for one minute to five minutes per day, I will turn my camera on in front of me. I'm still doing and saying everything I have since we started. You know, I haven't turned into a different person. I haven't. Yeah. All I'm doing is literally. So anybody's not doing is it, just they're either not committed or lazy. Yeah.
0: You're just and the exposing the world to what you're already doing. Yeah, that's it. But so, just
1: think about it. Yeah. The National Glass Association has asked Keith to be a speaker. Yeah to promote it because glass is one of those or it was yeah. one of those industries that people really didn't even think about. Right. Most glass shops don't promote. Yeah. They just don't. Yeah. You know, we did it maybe out of necessity or to go after the homeowners. Yeah. We kind of made it sexy yeah. in a way. You know, you're taking a look at these frameless shower doors, now it's like everybody wants it. Right. 10 years ago, we had to try and persuade them to get it. Right. You know, they were used to what the builder put in, the old yeah. framed door. So, our marketing I really think helped change the desire the consumer, for the frame yeah. of shower door. Created
2: a desire. Yeah.
1: But now it shows up really well on these other social media. Yeah. Thing. And YouTube is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it and it's amazing in two things for our respect, because I, I search it all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna order one online and install it myself. Yeah. It's like, I watch these things and it's like, I've been in the business 30 years. I wouldn't do it yeah. after I watched one of their videos. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And the thing they don't show you is, you know, caulking takes a technique. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're gonna do it yourself. You're gonna open up a caulking tube, cut it just right, mm-hmm. and lay down a perfect bead. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do a nice job with caulking, the frameless shower door is not gonna look good. Yeah. As much money as you paid for, or how much money you saved, yeah. trying to buy something online, yeah. it is just unbelievable. We take sh- photos of pictures when customers ask us to replace their shower door. And we'll see ones that were done by handyman <laughs> or guys like, "Oh, you get it? I'll put it in for you." Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. things are backwards, upside down. The caulking is atrocious. It's like it's the first yeah. time they ever touch the caulking. I believe it. I've
0: seen uh, people put door handles on upside down, like not a not a knob, but an actual handle upside down. We see it all the time,
1: <laughs> all the time. Don't Oh, with glass, that. it's a safety issue. Yeah, and, and it kind of blows my mind. It's like. People are going to order something online, have it delivered to them, mm-hmm. figure out how to do it, never having it done before. And don't forget, they took their own measurements yeah. to order this thing.
0: Yeah, It's just, why would you do that when you have a local? Hire professional folks. Yeah, That's all it. the time. It's just yeah. incredible. So one thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned, hey, like just start doing it. It's about consistency. It's about commitment another thing that i hear all the time so i want to hear your perspective how long did it take of you doing that every day posting content before you actually saw an impact on your business
2: yeah that's a good question i would say i'm right around the five this i purposely took videos on top of videos that i was doing to kind of almost journalize it yeah as i was going along and between the five to six thousand Five to 6,000 LinkedIn connections is where I started seeing an impactful difference, which took about five, four and a half to five months. And we were at a happy hour here in Astero at Ruth Chris. A great place. I've been going there a while and, and got to know everybody in there. But at that particular juncture that I can remember, these were people I've never seen before. And it was, Hey, you're that guy on the. Most of the people now that I even talk to don't even really know my name. It's you're the shower door guy, which I'm completely, I hope I'm shower (laughs) door guy for the rest of my life. Yeah. And the conversation now posting content and knowing what you're posting is one thing. How to monetize it and follow up and, you know, just because you start posting stuff doesn't mean you're a salesperson. Mm. You have to be able to follow up with tact and know where your opportunities are. And if you're really good, you know where your opportunities aren't. So you're not wasting time on, you know, opportunities that aren't going to work out for both you and the consumer. And you have to be able to know to just punt and move on to the next one. And I think you'll see that through repetition, but the LinkedIn has helped create another avenue for potential leads and opportunities if you stay on top of it and follow up. And Hmm. I try and do, I don't get, I try not to get caught up in doing what everyone else is doing. You know, the human, I think just follows the path of least resistance. And the more I've been trying to buck that, the more success I've been having as hard as, you know. How many times have you done something new and you're like, well, oh, I can't do this, it's hard. Yeah. But after a few more 60 to 65 reps, you start getting good at it. Yeah. And like, wow, now all your friends want to, what? How long did it take you to get yeah. on like that? How long, you know? So just repetition, consistency, and then. You know, always studying and practicing. We send a lot of our salespeople to Dale Carnegie. The guy that I'm hot on right now is a gentleman by the name of Chris Voss. He was an ex-FBI negotiator, Mm -hmm. and he studied the neuroscience behind um, negotiating in the human brain and how there's three types of people, you know, fight, flight, make friends, and understanding the transformation of power. So when most business owners or people in general start to develop some success, that old adage, you know, are you who we knew you were, yeah. or have you now you're hoity-toity and you're better than everybody? But once you can get rid of that and transform the power to the customer, it opens up their mind, relaxes them. In a lot of my LinkedIn videos, at the end of every one of my videos, I have this real shitty and grin smile on. Well, mm-hmm. I had learned that when you put somebody in a positive frame of mind, they're 31% smarter, which means they're going to be 31% more engaged in collaborating with us when they come into the showroom. so... You can hear it on a phone when some, you know, we've all had an experience where we call the restaurant and you're really excited and you get the person on the phone and, yeah, can I help you? Like, Mm -hmm. that just sours the mood. Right. Whereas, wow, Taylor, I'm so glad you called. What time can I give you your reservation for? It automatically lets those defensive mechanisms down because we are naturally, by nature, I think, negative creature. And so some of these things I've learned through watching YouTube now that I'm on social media. And so we're constantly trying to learn and better ourselves as well.
0: Uh, There's a lot of uh, excellent advice in there. I mean, a couple of things that that stood out is just the timeline to me, because a lot of people, I think a lot of people see that they see that end result, right? And they're like, Oh, it must be nice. You know, Keith just sits there and must be nice. talks, you know, 10 minutes a day, and he gets all these customers, right. But they don't see the work that goes into that. And then the second piece is, you see the outcome and you see even the activities and level of consistency. But it's kind of like what you know we were talking about earlier of the hard work that it took to go to the town hall meeting and find all the permits and do the research and then reach out to the customer and explain to them. That is somehow missing because people think, well, it's digital now, so I can just post any content. If I post every day and I connect with people, it's just going to magically happen. But the way that you just explained what you've been doing and the research and the people you've been listening to and advice you've been taking and even the sort of you know level of i guess you want to say the way you're kind of introspective about your own personality and say hey this is here's my flaws here's where i how i can communicate with people here's where the issues are you can't you have one without the other, right? And you can't have that success and build that following and provide valuable content simply just by the activity and simply just by the consistency. I know you mentioned earlier, like, "Hey, just get out there, just create the content." But the level of effort that it does—it does take a, a while to make that happen. And it does take a lot of research. You have to actually provide some valuable content there, not just content for the sake of producing content. And I think that's a big piece that's missed by a lot of people. So uh, it was awesome just to kind of hear you explain what goes into that and, and what you do to continue to improve yourself, even though you already have this following.
2: Absolutely. We, I, you know, I'm 42 now. I didn't really start seeing everything is clear until I was 40. I'm going to say 40 was the magic number for me to start like swallowing pride and having more empathy and wanting to get better myself and appreciate where I came and learn from things that I've done in the past. You know, I've burned a lot of bridges in the past. Uh, I was a very prideful person, like, you not want to do business. like, ah, well, I'm never going to do business with you. And once I was able to get rid of that and see and try and study and understand the whole sales process, it became a lot funner. Yeah. a lot more successful and lucrative. Yeah, And all these other things, the social media and LinkedIn, they just help pour gasoline on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you truly have to be committed to what you're doing if you want to be the best at it. So yeah. like our human intentions have never changed. It's just the means in which we use or do them change. And, you know, now it's social media. He used to be VHS and fax machine. And now mm-hmm. we text and mm-hmm. email and who knows what's next. Yeah. But if we're still doing, God willing, people are keep showering. Yeah, we'll keep evolving. Hopefully, yes, everyone keep showering, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're doing a podcast here at the uh, <laughs> One IMS. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. No, that it's all great, and, and like you said, I mean, you, you made a great point there about we don't know what's next. So it's interesting to kind of see the the transition instead sort of handing down generation and how you've actually changed and still grown the business over those years whatever is going to happen next i don't think it matters because if you already have that mindset of we're going to adapt and we're going to continue to disseminate this information to our customers however they're actually consuming consuming it it, you're going to be successful so we got to wrap this up but i I really appreciate you guys coming in here before we go i know you guys you have uh, i believe your own podcast you have a website you have obviously social media profiles so uh, where can people find my shower door
2: We'd love for them to go to myshowerdoor.com. And if they're looking for a little bit more, they can look up Keith Dobman and Bill Dobman and Joe Manzoni on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Pinterest. hopefully Pinterest, house, myshowerdoor.com. We'd and, be happy uh, to help. Where,
0: where is this, say, I know you have multiple locations. I mean, you talked about the idea of, you know, possibly selling to other countries. So if someone's listening in uh, California, Montana, you know, Michigan, wherever they're at, can they- Can we
2: touch on that real yeah, quick? Yeah. One of the biggest takeaways from the LinkedIn, about six months ago, I received an opportunity for a past customer that lived in Port Royal, down mm-hmm. in Naples area, mm-hmm. It had moved to Big Sky, Montana. And I had done a silly post on a little Piper plane up at Pagefield because we were doing some work for Paragon. And I said, you know, if you want us to fly to wherever you're at, we'd be happy to do so. Just a yeah. funny yeah. piece of content. This person reached out. It was a builder in Montana, Big Sky, Montana, very lucrative area. Mm-hmm. And myself and right-hand man Jason Ryback flew out there three months ago, ended up being about a $150,000 deal worth of shower doors, wow. all because of a LinkedIn post. Hmm. So we will fly anywhere, but more importantly, with the way the e-commerce is with distribution and freight forwarding, it's very easy for us in technology to get measurements and produce, package
0: up, and freight forward to wherever they're at. There you go. No excuses, folks. You no excuses. Shower door, you know where to go. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you guys coming in. Any, any final thoughts here? No, we're going to have you
1: back at our studio for I'm our podcast as we yeah. get going and our YouTube channel, Perfect. which I would encourage anybody to go to the My Shower Door YouTube and subscribe. And if they go down and subscribe, you'll notice a little bell insignia there. And that's so that you can get notifications of any new podcast or any new content comes on board. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Taylor,
3: thanks for having us. Thank you. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One World, One Web, One IMS.